You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Ecclesiastes chapter number 11. And I want to read to you a brief portion of Scripture and uh, one particular verse. There's three verses we're going to, all, all, all the verses, this, we're going to read six verses here and I'll comment on each one of them, but verse 5 will be our, our main text. But then I'm going to kind of go back to Gen- or Genesis. We'll go back to Genesis and work our way to Ecclesiastes 11. We'll start in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and uh, I'll set somewhat of a, a, a platform, if you would, for the message and I uh, looked over Brother Apus and I said, uh, it's ready, you guys are ready for me to preach already. And I said, I think I've got the shortest message prepared, but uh, we'll have to see how things work out. But anyhow, so yeah, I got an amen from Robert. Was that Robert? Did he say amen? Where are you at, Robert? And I just got to figure out where you're at. I don't see him in here. Did, did Robert say amen? People are pointing over here, but I don't see him. So they're pointing this way and that way and back over here. And so anyhow, we'll figure that out, I guess, in a moment. So Anyhow, Ecclesiastes chapter number 11, and uh, I'm going to read the passage and then I'll somewhat explain and then we'll jump in together. Look down, if you would, beginning in verse uh, verse 1 of chapter 11. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Give a portion to seven and also to eight, for thou knowest not. You may want to underline that statement if you don't mind marking your Bible. Thou knowest not. Thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. That's a sad verse. If the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if the tree fall toward the south or toward the north, in the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. This reminds me of pastor's message, whatever will be, will be, not long ago. Verse 4, he that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. And then here's our text verse. As thou knowest not, there's that statement, thou knowest not. You may want to underline or circle that. What is the way of the spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not. There's the statement again, thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. In the morning sow thy seed, in the evening withhold not thine hand. For, here it is again, thou knowest not whether uh, whether shall prosper either this or that, or whether they both shall be alike good. And uh, let's bow for prayer uh, this, this evening. Father in heaven, I sure love your people. What a joy it is to be in church tonight. And uh, I'm always honored to be on the road and, and uh, Lord, represent you and our church and, uh, of course, the college. But I always miss my home family, my church family. And uh, I'm so grateful to be here tonight. And then, Lord, to stand in pastor's stead, to have the privilege, Lord, to open your word. I pray your touch anointing upon his time with Mrs. Treber and the graduation for their grandson tonight. May it be a special time. Thank you for the fact that he has the opportunity to get away, bring him back safely to us. Now, Lord, I pray as we look in your word that your word would search our hearts, that you would encourage and edify your people tonight. And may we be attentive to your word. And I pray you do a great working in our lives where we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's back up now to uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 1. The word Ecclesiastes, uh, it's the Greek word uh, that deals with the word church, ecclesia. You've heard pastor mention that oftentimes. Uh, The word uh, uh, ecclesia means a called out assembly. 
And uh, really, a church is not a church if it hasn't been called out from the world. And uh, we see that taking place as the nation of Israel comes out of Egypt. And there's so much that could be said, uh, even Pharaoh saying, don't go very far away to worship. That's the cry of the world to the church. Be more like us and worship uh, more, more closely to and resemble more closely to who we are. But uh, this is the preacher now. We know this is Solomon. Solomon wrote three books of the Bible. He wrote the book of Proverbs, the book of Rules. He, he wrote the book of Song of Solomon, a book of Romance. But he writes the book of Ecclesiastes, a book of regrets. It's really a sermon. It's a sermon. He calls himself the preacher. Let's look at the first three verses here. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanity, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanity, all is vanity. What profit hath the man of all his labor which he taketh under the sun? And so Solomon begins this 12-chapter sermon, and it's all about life and how empty it is. And he's looking at life from man's perspective. And you see the, the term under the sun, uh, S-U-N, uh, not thinking about the S-O-N above the S-U-N, all right? And uh, thinking about human life apart from God. And uh, he's looking at how vain life is. Uh, looking at it from man's perspective, under the sun or under heaven, we think of that statement. And so in chapters 1 and 2, Solomon announces a problem. And the problem is life's not worth living. It's all vanity. It's all vain. And it's all very empty. And, and uh, we see him assess the problem in chapters 3 through 10. And he goes down every avenue of life trying to find purpose and meaning and satisfaction to the whole meaning of life. We come to chapter 11 and he begins his conclusion and he comes to chapter 12 and really hits it hard the last two verses. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. So in chapter 11, he's like a preacher closing his Bible saying, and in conclusion, but then he goes on a little longer, all right? And so that's the setting of our text that we'll look at in a moment. We come back to chapter 1 and beginning in verse number 12, the personal pronouns begin to roll out of his mouth like you would not believe. By the time you get to the end of chapter uh, number 1, 12 times he's used the word I, my, me, mine. You come to chapter 2, and I've got chapter 2 marked up down through verse 20, 65 times. It's unbelievable. Let's look at it together. Uh, let's just read now, beginning in verse number one of chapter two. And I said in mine heart, go to now, I will prove thee with myrrh. Therefore enjoy pleasure. And behold, this also is vanity. I said of laughter, it is man of myrrh. What doeth it? I sought in mine heart to give myself to wine and acquaint my, mine heart with uh, wisdom and to lay hold on folly till I might see what was that good for the sons of men, which they should do under the heaven all the days of their life. I made me great works. I builded me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards and I planted trees in them of all kinds of fruit. I made me pools of water to water wherewith the wood that uh, bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maidens and had servants born in my house. Also, I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered me also silver and gold and peculiar treasures of the kings of the provinces. I got me men singers and women singers and uh, the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments and that of all sorts. So I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. Remember, he was the wisest man who ever lived. Verse 10, 
And whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion of all my labor. We're just reading down through verse 10. You can read on. But you can see that he had a pride problem. It was all about him. And he sought out the meaning and and purpose of life, trying to find satisfaction. And he went down every avenue of life you could imagine. Solomon was the perfect man to carry out this experiment on the meaning to life because he had all the wealth the world could offer. He had all the wisdom God had given to a man. He had the power, the prestige. He, He could speak several languages fluently. Everything was at his fingertips. And yet, we come to chapter 2 and look down at verse 17. He says, therefore, I hated life. Boy, he was miserable. He was miserable because he was not looking at life above the sun. He wasn't looking to the Lord. And uh, I'm grateful that he comes to the right conclusion as we come to chapter 11 and chapter 12. But we understand that he was seeking the answers to the most difficult questions of life. And people would come to him from all over to hear and and see his wisdom. And yet he still was unsatisfied. He lived for pleasure. And uh, he found that that pursuit was very empty. He accumulated wealth and money and things. And he was an architecture. He was uh, a builder. He was an irrigator. And uh, he was a farmer. I mean, he just, he did everything you could imagine. And yet he hated life. Just like an executive who spends his life climbing the corporate ladder only to get to the top and realize that the ladder was leaning on the wrong building the whole time. That's where Solomon is finding himself. But I've got good news for God's people tonight. I'm thankful for what Paul the Apostle declared in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I'm so grateful tonight that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. I love that song. It's not in vain. It's not in vain. Jesus rules and reigns. It's not in vain. Now, let's skip ahead to chapter 11. He goes down every avenue of life in chapters 3 through 10, and he comes up at the short end of the stick. We come to chapter 11 and he introduces this thought of having faith and believing God and and trusting in Him. And verse number 5 says, As thou knowest not what is the way of the Spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even though thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. I thought of these precious children who graduated from 12th grade today and 8th grade uh, this morning and then the kindergartners uh, yesterday. What a joy it was to watch those students. And then I think of the college-age students three weeks ago tonight who graduated, how precious their lives are and how they are a gift from God. What a blessing to have a child. It was Tuesday morning, March 6, 2007. My wife looked at me and she said, Honey, today is the day. I said, Today's the day for what? She said, The baby's coming today. I said, Really? This was baby number four for us, and so this was not our first rodeo, and we knew the ropes a little bit, so I trusted her. I said, all right, and she said, I'm going to get this and this and this accomplished. I'm feeling good, but then we'll uh, gather our things and head to the hospital. I said, sounds like a good plan. Number four is on its way, and this is exciting. He was going to be early, and so we were praising the Lord for all of that, and I got a few things done in the office, and, 
And uh, sure enough, a few hours later, she said, okay, I'm ready to go. So we hopped in the car and we headed to the hospital there where two other of our children had been born and a well-known uh, hospital here in Northern California. And we got there and the doctor came in and sat with my wife for a few minutes and she said, well, I'm just not so sure. Now, you got to understand, my wife, she was pretty sure. And the doctor, the lady, she was a sweet lady. She said, I just, I'm not so sure. And she said, I'm going to run a couple of tests. It'll only take about 20 minutes. But she said, she looked at me. She said, why don't you take your wife on a walk? Just head out the doors here to the hospital and go around the corner. There's a nice courtyard over here. And why don't you just walk around the courtyard for a few minutes and come back inside about 15 or 20 minutes and we'll get the results. And probably I'll be sending you home today. Well, we'd never heard that. Child number four, we've never been sent home. We get to the hospital, it's time to have the baby, right? And so, sure enough, we headed out the door and we spent about five minutes and she was moving very slowly and, and stopping quite often. And after a few moments of that, she kind of leaned over and she said, honey, I got to get back inside because the baby's coming. And I said, all right, well, let's do that. So we had spent maybe five minutes going out the door. It took us another 10 minutes just to get back in the door. And when we got back in the door, you got to understand, I was not a panic, first-time father type of thing. I've been there, done that, got the T-shirt, okay? But I'm looking at the nurse as I walk back in, and if I'm trying to really communicate something to somebody, sometimes I let my eyes get real big, you know? So I let my eyes get really big, and I looked at the nurse, and I said, my wife here is going to have a baby, and we really need some help right now. And the lady got nervous. She's like, sir, just calm down. And I said, ma'am, I'm, I'm calm, but you need to get a doctor because my wife's going to have a baby. So it took them three or four minutes finally to get the doctor back uh, to us. And she's, my wife sat down there in the room and the doctor was back and was sitting there. Well, we haven't got the test results back, but they'll be here any, any minute. And then she checked on my wife and she said, well, you're going to have the baby. And my wife looked at me and she said, you know, honey, when we were outside, I saw that the, the spot, they have a spot for the anesthesiologist. It has the name there. And they, she said the, the vehicle was there. She said the anesthesiologist is here. Why don't you make sure you check and get somebody in here. I want to have an epidural. And so maybe I'm giving too much information there. But anyhow, I looked at the nurse or the doctor that was right there. And I said, you know, and she said, sir, even if we could get them here in time, uh, the, the epidural would not kick in until after the baby was born. And I'm here to tell you the next about three minutes of my life were the most emotional moments of my life. We had had two ultrasounds and we were having a baby girl. The, uh, I won't go into the story. We, we'd had two boys and we had a girl, and I was happy with three. And my wife said, honey, the Lord wants us to have four children. And we debated and talked about that and prayed on that for a few years. And then the Lord decided to surprise us with baby number four. And so we were excited to have child number four. And uh, the first ultrasound, they said it's a girl. So, I mean, everything looked normal. Two boys and two girls, and that was great. The sec second ultrasound was the same way. Two boys and two girls. It was going to be a great day, you know. And, and so... Uh, sure enough, I, I had to get through the emotions of my wife expecting me to, to get the, the folks there to take care of that. And about three minutes late, later, we had a very healthy baby boy. And when he was born, the room went silent. And it took my wife a few minutes to get her composure. And she recognized that there was not any talking going on in the room. Because they'd taken a third ultrasound right before he was born. They said, we don't see any surprises. And he's turned, she's turned right and everything looks great. 
So then he was born, and so there we were. And, and she's staring at the ceiling and trying to catch her breath, and, and the doctor's looking at the nurses, and they're all kind of doing this to each other. And, and I'm like, hey, another boy, praise the Lord, you know. Can't complain, can't argue with that. Members of the church had already bought a stork. It was pink, and I mean, they had the baby's name, and they were just waiting for the, you know, the ounces and the length and all of that to put on there. And, and so sure enough, my mother called. I said, hey, Mom, God gave us a boy. And she laughed at me and said, yeah, right, April Fool's or whatever. It wasn't April Fool's, but she didn't believe me. And then my sisters called, and I said, Lord gave us a boy. She said, okay, yeah, right, whatever. They didn't believe me. But here's the crazy thing. So my wife is there, and, and, and she says, honey, what's wrong with her? I said, honey, nothing's wrong with her. She goes, no, no, I can tell. Everybody's quiet. Something's wrong with her. What's wrong with her? And just panic. And I kissed her on the forehead, and I said, honey, nothing's wrong with the baby. God gave us another boy. She said, you're kidding me. I said, no, I'm not kidding you. <laughs> I said, do you, want, do you want to hold him? She said, no, I thought I had a girl. I, <laughs> I'm going to need a few minutes. I said, I remember praying and saying, Lord, will she ever love him? I, I was really worried about that. I had a conversation a few minutes later. I said, are you going to be okay? She said, I've been carrying a girl for nine months. Just give me a few minutes, will you? I'm just trying to wrap my head around all of this. The Lord brought me my mind to this thought. <laughs> As thou knowest not the way of the Spirit, know how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even though thou knowest not the works of God which maketh all. You know, you can't always see exactly all that God is doing but I can tell you this, when I held Joshua that first time, it was miraculous. And every one of my children, it was the same way. And of course, if in your home the boys outnumber the girls, that's always a good thing. So praise the Lord for that. May I say that just as physical birth is a miracle, so is spiritual birth. I pondered this verse, and as I thought about this verse, the Lord reminded me of a verse in John chapter 3. And I want to just set the stage, Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night. He says, we know that thou art a master come from God, for no man can do these miracles that God doeth except thou be with him. That was the problem. Nicodemus knew that Jesus was come from God, but he didn't know Jesus was in fact God. And, and Jesus goes right to the heart of the matter right away. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not, I say unto thee, ye must be born again. And I, I love that story. And a few verses down, we have John 3, 16, that famous passage. But listen to verse 8. It says, The wind bloweth, whither it listeth. And thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it came or whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. And I say that to say, we, I can't tell you exactly how and when and where the Spirit of God is at work, but we can sense the Spirit of God when He's at work in the hearts and lives of God's people. I'm so proud of Christian down here with the uh, Nikolai's, and he came, I think, two weeks ago this past Sunday, and then he was back here on Sunday, and he trusted Christ as his Savior, and now he's in church on a Wednesday night. What a blessing, and I thought I saw Brother Mark in here tonight. What a blessing to see him accept Christ as his Savior. You don't know exactly what God is doing, and I can tell you story after story. I'll leave this one story with you. There was an elderly lady, and and uh, my wife and I went by to visit her, and we witnessed to her, and she was hardened to the gospel, and she loved our, our time coming by to visit her, but she didn't want to hear about the gospel message. And we visited her time after time, week after week, month after month, and I wouldn't say that maybe a year or so went by, and finally we began to kind of uh, give more time in between the visits. And then one summer on a Thursday night, 
My wife and I were getting ready to go make visits. We already had a couple visits lined up, and I felt the Spirit of God saying, you've got to go visit Olive tonight. I said to my wife, I said, I feel like the Holy Spirit's telling me we've got to go visit Olive tonight. She said, well, let's do that. And we went to visit her. She'd been put in a care facility. And we went in, and, and uh, I, I saw Olive there, and I said, Olive, I said, I know you, you don't want me to talk to you about going to heaven, but I want to ask you to listen to me for five minutes, and I want to share with you the greatest news I could ever share with anyone. And I went through the plan of salvation, and Olive sweetly pr- prayed and trusted Christ as their Savior that Thursday night. And what a joy it was to know that the Spirit of God had led us there that night. And we made a few other visits, and then headed home, and Enjoyed uh, a busy day Friday, and then early Saturday morning, I got a phone call from her son. Olive had passed away, and she's in heaven this, this evening. And I'm here to tell you tonight, we need, to, we need to yield to the Spirit of God and be filled with the Spirit of God enough to know, hey, listen, God is at work. We don't know exactly how. Like Brother Cooper says, you know, uh, at the beginning of the services, we don't know what he's going to do, but we know he wants to do something tonight, right? And the Holy Spirit of God desires to work in each of our lives. And as we consider these thoughts, God is saying, listen, I formed you personally. That's how personal of a God uh, he is. As we, You don't know how the bones grow in the womb. And oftentimes man thinks that we're in charge of forming. But God is in fact the one that forms and, and conforms us. The psalmist in Psalm 139 verse 13 said, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee. When I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. You see, God is the one who forms and and makes our lives. And I'm so grateful that God, as he molds and shapes the lives of people in the womb, and he is the one who gives life. By the way, that's why the world wants to get rid of life, because God is the author of life. But... May I say tonight that God doesn't take his hand off of molding and shaping us. Once you accept Christ as your Savior, we know that verse in Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. But verse 29 says, to whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his dear son. You see, the Lord keeps his hands on your life and mine as he continues to form us through the circumstances of life. And he says to you tonight, not only have I formed you, but I care about you. I even think about you. The psalmist goes on to say in Psalm 139, verse 17, How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. I love what Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Boy, it's encouraging to know when people are thinking about you and trying to encourage you. God desires through his word to say to you and I, I know about your life. I've got every member of your body written in my book. And I know the very numbers of the hairs of your head. And I fashioned you and I formed you. And I'm still conforming you to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. But then he says, I've got a plan for you. Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. You see, every parent who has an adult child serving the Lord this evening knows that it was only because of the grace of God at work and their life forming and shaping and molding 
And God says to you and I tonight, I love you, I know you, I know what's best for you. You see, God is always good and God is always right because He is God. And we can trust Him. He not only has uh, uh, formed us and He thinks about us, but He has a purpose. He has a purpose for our lives. And there's so much that I could say about that. I'm trying to watch the clock here a little bit tonight. But I, I, I remember years ago visiting a man and he and I were the same age, and I, I was married, and I was a pa- uh, pastor. I had two children at home, a, and a father, and all that going on. And here he was living in his, his parents' house. And I remember him saying to me, I just can't find any purpose in life. He claimed to know the Lord Jesus, and I thought, have some of my purpose. I've got enough for both of us. There's so much in life that needs to get accomplished for the Lord. And so I come back to our text tonight. As we come back to, I told you, I'm going to lay the groundwork, and I'm going to give you some three thoughts real quickly, and we'll be done. We come to chapter 11 of Ecclesiastes. I I want you to understand there are three circumstances beyond our ability to predict. Okay? We have to understand it's not in vain, as the songwriter wrote. First of all, the uncertainty of the future. Look at verse number 2. He says, give a portion to 7 and also to 8. Keep giving. He said, for thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. You know what's so sad and disheartening is looking at the news in this day and hour? It's heartbreaking, isn't it? The garbage and what's taking place and some of the things that you see on so many levels and and the heartache even of just the the last few days and so forth and man I'll tell you we're living in an evil day the news seems to be full of even the way the news reports things seems evil to me and uh, but can I tell you something there's some things in life we can't change but we don't, we don't want to stop serving him. We don't want to stop giving to, to the work of God. We don't want to stop trusting the Lord. I, I remember that prayer I heard as a kid, and I, I don't know that uh, it, it's not uh, vain repetition, but I remember hearing somebody say, Lord, grant me the serenity uh, to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And that's really the text of what Solomon is saying right here in verses 1 through 3 of chapter 11. The circumstances of life will never be perfect, but we must still exercise faith and live obedience to God's word and trust him for the results. If we wait, wait for the right wind, verse 4, or the right day, we might miss God-given opportunities and we uh, might seem to be foolish to others like those that cast their bread on the water. Verse number 1 is talking about here, but God promises, look, if you'll do that, it will always come back to you. So, the uncertainty of the future. Have faith and live for the Lord. But then the results of our faith. Think about the results of our faith. Verse number 6, I want you to see this with me as well. He says in verse 6, In the morning sow thy seed. He said in the evening withhold not thine hand, for thou knowest not whether shall prosper either this or that. He's saying, look, you don't know the results of your labor and and, uh, the faith that you've expressed. You don't know what's going to happen. And so oftentimes, if we're not careful, we look to the future and say, this is uncertain or that is uncertain or this election isn't the way I I want it to go or gas prices aren't what they should be or uh, the stock market isn't what it used to be or whatever the case may be, fill in the blank. Maybe it's your health and maybe it's a relationship, but if we're not careful, we look at the uncertainty of the future and we won't continue to serve and give and trust God the way he desires for us to do so. 
And sometimes we look at a lifetime of labor and say, well, where are the results of what, what I have uh, uh, had faith and trusted God for? And I'm so thankful for the results of our pastor's faith. 46 years here, and we can see uh, evidence of all that God has accomplished through his faith. But sometimes if we're not careful, we can internalize our lives a little bit and say, hey, where are the results at? And God says, look, I want you to just understand you may not know exactly what I'm doing. So what do we do in uncertain times? What do we do with the results of our, our labor and, and our faith? And I would submit to you, we need to learn how to always be amazed at the ways and greatness of God. And that's really what verse five is saying. And that's the message tonight. He says, thou knowest not the, what is the way of the spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child. Even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. In other words, just as Ecclesiastes chapter three says, God makes all things beautiful in his time. Oh, I'm here to tell you all this time later, my wife is in love with our youngest son, Joshua. Everything is good at home, all right? We are to trust God and be amazed at his greatness, is what he's saying. And uh, if you know our family, our family is an ice cream family. I don't know if you like ice cream, but I'll leave you with this last thought. We love ice cream, and it's, it's, if we're not careful, we have to put it in check from time to time, you know. But Joshua just got a job yesterday at, I, at a Cold Stone's Creamery, so you can pray for us right there. Can we just marvel at God's goodness for just a moment? <laughs> Acknowledge his greatness. We'll have the invitation in just a moment. You see, God will allow many things in life that we don't understand. But we should never be filled with anxiety because if God chooses to do something beyond our human comprehension, our job is to trust in him and marvel at his greatness. To continue to serve, to continue to give, and to continue to trust. Because it's in uncertain times that we express our faith. It's, it's, it's during these seasons where we can't maybe see the results of, of our labor that God is doing something very special. Amen. Just like the miracle of birth or the miracle of spiritual birth. And so I ask the question, when was the last time you were simply amazed at the greatness of God for some miraculous work he did in your heart or life? When was the last time you took some time to thank God for the miraculous work of salvation and the fact that you have an eternal home in heaven waiting you if you've trusted Christ as your Savior? With heads bowed and eyes closed this evening, I want to encourage my church family, keep serving, keep giving, keep trusting. Because the Bible says, without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve him this week.